Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Stars Like Us. I am your host, Eliza Kelly, and I am delighted to introduce today's guest. She is a double Libra, which means Libra Sun, Libra Rising, which for all of you deep cut listeners know that this means that she was born at dawn. She's an Aries moon, so she was also born during a full moon. That's going to show up in a big way, I am sure. And her name is Taryn Toomey, and she is the creator of The Class. And I am so thrilled to meet you. Thank you for being here. Oh, my, my pleasure. Thank you. So um, a few different things so uh, that I would love to start with. So w- first of all, I before I met you today and I was doing my preliminary research on you, I read this article about your program and your technique and Fast Company. And I'm not sure who wrote it. I didn't catch their name. But I know that it was in Fast Company. And so, of course, it has to be phrased through this very Fast Company way. And (laughs) there was one line in it when it was describing part of your technique, which is just it sounds like a full body, full sensory experience where they sort of summarized it as I'm stressed out about my job, you know, said all the women. And I thought to myself, like, wow, what a surface level. Mm. <laughs> like, we're really just, and, you know, if the writer of that article is listening, I'm, I don't mean to be an asshole, I apologize, but what a very diluted way of thinking about what women need, mm. you know? <laughs> I so appreciate that. Sometimes I read things and I think it just sounds very trite and surface level like that. And because I know what we're doing, the essence of the work, I I have to work this new muscle in myself to not take it on as wanting to tell people because the experience is through your own body. One experiences it themselves. So when you read about it, it just, you know, it, it doesn't resonate the same way because it's you experiencing yourself. It's yeah. not somebody else telling you. Yeah, it's I... I have one of my uh, phrases that I use quite a lot in my practice and with my community is tank, which means there are no coincidences. Mm. And this conversation that we're having is very tank right now because I am currently working on my manuscript for my third book. And I was just in Malibu, like, you know, sort of I separated, quarantined myself from the rest of Los Angeles and I didn't see anybody. And I was looking at the ocean and I was having all of these really big thinking experiences and I was thinking like how does this fucking astrology thing work you know because I've gotten to the point in my career where I don't really want to explain it very similarly to you like I I'm not interested in trying to prove its legitimacy anymore but I had this incredible realization that astrology works because we are astrology because astrology just mirrors whatever we need it to be it's a reflection so it sounds like this experience that you have on this physical level within this hour-long class, is that... Is 65 minutes. 65 yep, minutes. Yep. Sometimes they're longer, but if that's if we're on a retreat or something, we'll do like three-hour classes. Hell but, yeah. yeah. So for those who um, aren't familiar yet with what you teach and your philosophy, in any way that you would like to share it with us, what, uh, how would you describe your work? Um, it's, I always get stunted by this, which is silly. I should have like a catchphrase of what I say. I don't but, want you to have a catchphrase. Yeah, but I, it just doesn't, it, that, that's it could not, change literally all the time. Yeah, that's right. And so what, what we're doing is we're stripping apart that the brain is an organ. Its function is to create thought. It's doing its job. Let's move the body, right? And the idea is that 
it's it's a movement practice, but it's not that anybody has the answer. You're not going to go in there and have somebody be like, I'm your guru and I'm going to answer the question for you. Be love. And you're like, oh, I'm love. You know, it's that you live in this physical body. You have from the minute that you were in your mother's stomach and you've collected all of the experiences of your life in your body, in your brain, and you've organized it or not. You've denied it or not. And then we move in a way, in a safe way, to awaken and activate your own experiences to take a peek at what's going on. And then in there you connect the dots. The feeling that you're currently feeling, is it something that's getting activated that's old? Well, let's take a peek at it, right? And so the instructor, what we do, it's all music driven. It's one movement per song. You repeat the movement, you close the eyes, and you observe what your thought is about the feeling in the body. And that's how we start. And then, after a while, you observe how long you've been having that thought, when that thought began, who comes up when you think about that thought, and then you start to change the neuroplasticity or work with the neuroplasticity in the mind by doing it. So it's a somatic movement. You have the thought. You actively ask your brain to think of a new thought while you're moving, and then you start to work that toggle of understanding your ability to create or not, to recondition or not. And then after a period of time, you know, this, the music gets really loud and we move through a whole series of things from feeling unexpressed, fill in the blank, right? Or not. It's up to you. You can use it just as movement if you want, which is part of the design of the work of the, you know, it's the, the student's own space to bring things up or not. And then from there, we start to use expression, unexpressed things. So you'll be doing a burpee or you'll be doing a skater side to side and we make loud, ha. Huh! from the guts. People talk about it as like screaming, but we're not actually screaming. We're just, oh, it's very guttural. And in in essence, if you would like to, the student would like to, you can unplug some of these things from your body by noticing what it is and then expressing how it feels through just guttural sounds. Mm-hmm. And the room's doing it. We synthesize the room so the room moves together. And the music's so loud that you don't, you know, there's the huzz happening, but it becomes very cathartic. And then we move into stillness and we notice how it feels to be without it once you've cleared and processed. And then we move into a whole other series of movements, eventually into heart opening where the arms are wide. We close every class with that, dropping into your heart space and moving into deep listening, different than thinking. Uh, And then we seal class with breath work and meditation and then we move on. What we're doing in that room is we're practicing life, your own experience of how you respond and then noticing your ability to recondition or not. Right. That sounds like it's a full life cycle. Yeah. yeah. Within a class. Yep. It reminds me of um, the, uh, some EMDR work that mm-hmm. I have just been doing recently, which is for me, it has been extraordinarily effective. I think that I am just raw as fuck. Mm. So like I, I, I don't know if somebody who, you know, if I, I'm sure that if you go into a space and you are certain that it is not going you're not going to be affected by it that you're not going to be affected by it you know in the same way that when you know I will never work with somebody who uh, I I can you know in the first 10 minutes of a phone call in my session I can see that they're closed off to astrology I'm like this you're not going to get anything out of this like I'm going to refund you I'm happy to do so but this this is not going to be a productive conversation yeah there has to be some willingness and desire exactly Um, but in the EMDR work that I did um, you hold these two vibrating balls and you close your eyes. You start by identifying a very accessible trauma memory and you close your eyes and the the vibrating rotating balls, they're not rotating themselves, but they sort of oscillate in which one vibrates, triggers your eyes 
and uh, it's the movement of your eyes that you're starting to track. And you have this memory of this thought. You close your eyes. You experience what comes up, and then you, you know, you tell who you're the administer who you're working with what you experienced, and then you do it again. And you basically just have this cycle of tracking the trauma line. Mm-hmm. And when I was having my real uh, profound experience, I started with a very specific memory which is my mom nodding off in a movie theater when I was 10 and me not knowing if it was just because she was diagnosed with cancer or if she was dying or if she was on drugs which it was that one but I didn't know um, what was happening and it was terrifying and I started with that memory and then from there I went to 17 I went to 10 I went to 8 I went to my 20s. I went and then I went into pre-verbal memories, which was insane because I can easily be like, oh, my parents got divorced at seven. Like that sucked. Like clearly I can start my trauma journey then. But no, it's just so much deeper. Mm. It, it is it. They were feelings. There was the feeling of being nauseous. It was the feeling of being uh, isolated and trapped and these were things that were so deeply embedded into my psyche, but because I didn't have words around them or I didn't have pictures or I didn't have a parental figure telling me this is a memory, this is a milestone moment, I completely, I, I, I've been in therapy for years. I've never accessed those thoughts. Yep. And it so resonates with me. Yeah. And it's in, it's in us. Our subconscious is ever expanding and vast and every single thing we experience gets stored within us yes even right. if we're not aware of it right um whenever i lead a workshop i always ask which feels almost like uh, combative in a way like how many of you guys think you're going to remember being here which is crazy you know like we have so many memories that we create all day long yeah, but yes yeah. but w- the amount of important things that we really remember are like usually the big things, not all the little stuff, but the little stuff gets in there too. I'm so with you right now, and it's so interesting we're meeting today because I just had a really there triggering no experience this morning. And I was at 6 a.m. I was on a text exchange with um, the woman that I work on my trauma with, and it was the same thing. I brought up the thing that had bring brought the thing up, and she over text was like, "Go back. When else have you felt that?" Right, and we worked it out right there and because I've been in the work for a while I'm it, that's what happens when you're when you feel safe enough and the psyche's ready to show you and you've been doing the work it will then start to deliver it which is a lot of what we do in the class we start every class with the hands on the body feeling your own touch and the teacher guides the student to saying if it doesn't feel right don't do it this is home base so even as we're moving and the expansive movement becomes large and the power in the room come back to home base hands on body feel your feet in the floor and breathe and that's home base for us so that way the student we're not asking you to re-experience trauma to re-experience it or we're not asking you to re-experience something that was difficult to experience it we're actively saying if you feel ready bring it up so you can process it which is different than re-experiencing it absolutely You know, one of the things when we start doing inner child work or we start doing trauma work is is actually very much to stop re-experiencing it and to be able to adjust our perspective enough so that we can understand our reaction at that certain time in that certain place was exactly what we needed to survive. Right. But our conditions have changed. You know, we don't we're not in the same trapped environment. We have choices. You know, most of my clients and I'm sure most of yours are adults. So, you know, we have more resources 
and protection and safety around us where we don't have to be, you know, it's not like we're just stuck at home with our parents or at school where we're being bullied or whatever it is. Like we can see those things and understand that they had a tremendous effect on us, but we can choose how we want to interact with them now. And we can also be very consciously aware of making sure we're not continuing to make those same decisions right. over and over and over again right. because being they don't they being, don't serve us. Yeah. And being a warrior on behalf of your own spirit and on, you know, on your behalf. And it's interesting because this woman, Diana Fosher, who I work with, who is incredible, said to me in the work we were doing a couple weeks ago, I've always had this fear that I'm going to be homeless, like that I'm going to lose everything, that I'm not going to have a bed to sleep in. And it's so real. I'll wake up in the middle of the night sometimes and feel complete panic about not having a place to sleep. And I was like, it's just overwhelming sometimes. And I have to talk myself into tea. You have created a method. You can pay your own bills. You have a community. Like I have to go through one by one. And she said to me the other day, what you fear has already happened. Yes. And so we started tracking that. And, you know, when I was in third grade, our house got foreclosed on. My parents got divorced. I don't remember the next five years, all the things. So it's true. What you're fearing has already happened. Yes. Yes. And to talk yourself into your current state of ability to care for yourself in like a very practical, tangible way is, I think, how we heal. Yes, I agree. I think that I I, I think that uh, in an episode with Veronica Varlow on this podcast, who is amazing, um, we talk about the fact that, you know, time is really not linear in the way that we experience it in patriarchy world. It's visceral and there's movement and we can slow it down and we can speed it up and it's what we make of it and things that have already happened are already our future you know like we can then we just have to sort of move through those two different dimensions to make sure that they are aligning and they are connecting in a way that is going to serve our directionality mm. and help us get where we want to go and create the worlds that are meaningful to us and not just the worlds that we happen to fall into right. uh, because, you know, we're born and we didn't choose that. And the interesting thing about that is to be able to create while staying present. Yes. Right. It's That's, just it's the hardest thing. Yeah, because the toggle keeps going forward and the fear comes in about what and how. And then it's like right now, this inhale, this exhale, which is really what we practice in the class. When it gets gnarly, it's one beat, one breath. Anchor with your breath. Feel your physical body. Notice your mind and begin. So how did it, um, this per the particular techniques that you're applying, were these things that you had experimented with on your own and then saw, for instance, that one breath, one beat to be the effective way of moving through that phase? Yeah, I mean, I, I started it eight years ago in the basement of my building. I gave it a name the class like six, a little over six years ago because I couldn't name it. And <laughs> how, how do you name it, you know? <laughs> um, and luckily... It, you know, at first people were like, the class, who does this girl think she is calling it? I'm like, no, no, it's just the class. Like, it's not the class, you know? <laughs> anyway. Uh, Put that's your emphasis a, on a different part. <laughs> exactly. It's just like, take it and make it what you will. It can be an awesome physical movement practice and can do all the things you want physically, but it's also progressive. And the more and more you come, the more and more you understand the subtleties of really what we're doing. Um, but it's just all the practices that I've learned. I've always been a seeker. I've always used m music and movement as my medicine since I was young. I remember when I was playing sports and listening to music is when I felt okay. And when I wasn't is when I didn't. So that's always what moved me. And I had a lot of things that were going on, uh, you know, fill in the blank, however many decades it's been, as we all have difficulties, you know. And I just started to 
combine the the thinking with the movement and just explore and connect through that and gathering community and working together. And I think, you know, 20 years ago, I used to drink a lot of plant medicine. Um, then I started doing like old school Freudian therapy. I've spent a lot of time in different program, different programs. Uh, I've now I work a lot with trauma. Um, so it's just been really like this melting pot of all the things that have moved me and I'm just sharing, but I don't share, or we don't have anything in the training manual. That's not been something where I have imprinted and tried out in my own life and figured out how to impart it in the work in a safe way. So I've never used the class as like a case study Got for it. it. Yeah, I use myself and then when I've integrated the the ability for it to do or not do something that feels like it's on the path to healing, um, I won't use it. So it's myself as the case study and then I share and then you know our whole training is around that, that each, there's a very specific formula of what we do from a design technique of like how you create a safe space for students to go in, to express, to come out, sealed back up again. And then each teacher brings their own wisdom and their, what they have learned through their life. So it's a beautiful collaboration of all the teachers. Um, and it just came through me. You know, I'm, I'm still shocked every day. I joke every time we have our like all hands meetings, like how did this happen? Where did you guys all come from? And like, holy shit, I can't even believe that this is like, the power of community and vulnerability and the ability to share so somebody else can feel safe enough to share as well to feel that we're in this together. I, I read in the same uh, Fast Company article, um, you alluding to 2016 to Donald Trump's presidency. Yet another See, I tank. I didn't bring Oh, that really? Up. This is exactly oh, what wow. happens when people bring it up. They're like, it came up in another article that they'll ask me a question around the the thing like do you think that the election has brought more people in and what oh, are you gonna say so stupid and that's happened a bunch and like that's the thing i don't talk about politics and it's not that i don't have an opinion it's that what i'm doing is saying you're a human being and you have your vision and your viewpoint on whatever it is based on your humanization based on what's gone on in your life or not and you can have those and i'm here just to like breathe and emote and not to have to have this kind of feedback from another person telling you you are right or wrong to feel that way. I will listen to anything that you want to share with me. And that's how you feel. And that's beautiful. And I feel the same way. That if if I'm in a safe space to share how I feel and somebody's not saying to me, you're wrong, and then it becomes combat, it's another thing to create a space to understand the collective, you know? So there's different political parties that don't have that, right? But that doesn't mean that it's my, my, you know, my essence is not to go out there and tell everybody why they're wrong. Right, yeah, I, I understand and I relate to that and I especially relate to having a story come out that has all of these other uh, agendas Yeah, uh, that is very annoying. I do talk about the fact that my clients and my work transformed in 2016. And mm. I had been an astrologer prior to uh, Trump's presidency, and it was a different time. Mm. And I do think it is fascinating to think um, and to just, you know, I didn't know that that was happening at that time. Obviously, I knew that there was a massive change happening in the collective and in, you know, the the social, our, in our social fabric. And I also had just spent the last two and a half years trying to, uh, you know, go to venture capitalists to raise money for an astrology-based 
startup and prior to very recently, if you walked into a room as a young woman and told a bunch of old white VCs that you that astrology was going to be big, they would be like, all right, little girl, like, come fuck me and I won't give you any money. Because that's like, I mean, that's honestly what being a female founder pre me too, pre like a lot of these conversations was like, it was mm. like, horrible. It was a it was a very that was trauma in and of itself to have to try to be successful in a world that is doesn't take you seriously. Yeah. Um, and you can feel it. Yes. So it takes your voice. And I don't mean like you can't actually speak. I mean, the cadence of your voice and the fact that you're all in your mind and intellectualizing as opposed to in your work. It, it, that's what those environments create when you're in a space where you can feel the judgment and you can feel the kind of archaic quality of somebody not understanding how to just listen and experience somebody and make them yes. feel comfortable enough for them to experience, you know, to share who they are, you know? And I think that's, that's part of the problem. I remember um, I went to a meeting, I've had a bunch of meetings with, you know, a bunch of different types of businessmen, women and all that. And I still get nervous sometimes walking into some of them and I'm pretty comfortable with what I do because it's my truth. So it's easy to talk about it. And Chris Sanborn, who's our incredible COO, who I praise everything that brought him to me. I can't even begin to tell you Thank you for all of that, whoever and whatever. Um, he said to me when we left th th this last meeting, he's like, T, it's so funny to watch you get nervous. None of those people had the balls to go and create something that has never been done. Mm -hmm. it, well, I mean, there's a lot of different practices that have happened and come before me that I respect and honor. But to go out there and to like break into this, this whole movement where we're expressing through sound. When I first launched it six and a half years ago, People would roll their eyes and leave the room. Right. And then I had That's to... about the same time that I started yeah. as well with with this particular path that I'm on now. Yeah. Yeah. And six now and you a half can years see it's, it's a lot of places, you know, which is great. It's a beautiful thing. But, you know, when you're bearing the kind of weight of breaking into something new in a, and you're being vulnerable in it, it with the intention to heal in a world that is not kind, totally. it is a really gnarly space. Yes. Yes. I... You know, it's interesting because in no way, shape or form do, you know, I feel like we entered an alternative universe when Trump became president. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I, I genuinely feel like something was just like, OK, we're going down this road. However, in the Obama era, when I was first, uh, you know, in my early 20s and I was bright eyed and bushy tailed mm -hmm. trying to create an astrology dating app, people didn't need astrology in the way that they need it now. And some people did, you know, some people saw the benefit and how it could be this incredible resource and language of understanding self, understanding other, generating empathy or, you know, uh, mitigating empathy for us like over empath people. But in in 2016, after the election, suddenly it shifted to people like craved this work. And it was fascinating because, you know, I, I remember going into my therapist at this on the same day that Trump was elected and she was crying. And I was like, I feel like you're breaking the fourth wall, kind of like this. is I, don't, I, I appreciate that we're sharing this, but like this is I've never had this experience of like me coming in. And now I'm like, we're consoling each other. Mm. And on a collective level, I think so many people just sort of woke up to the fact that shit's wrong and they're seeing it now wrong in the macro. And it's very clear that things are also wrong in the micro, mm. in ourselves, in our bodies, in the way that we are, you know, our value systems, what 
what we have always perceived to be success is no longer going to fly mm-hmm. because if success means that we have a reality star you know greedy racist person as sort of the representative of a nation then all of us have to look at ourselves too yeah. you know yeah when you're confused you can either seek deeper meaning or you can go and medicate everything down with people places things and you know not feel anything which i do think also is happening as well you know i think that people are um I have said several times on this podcast that I'm very scared about cults right now. I think that people are in the exact state of mind where they could be very manipulated. And um, it's, you know, we have to all be very diligent to make sure that people aren't trying to become, uh, you know, people aren't taking advantage of their power and influence um, at this moment. And yes, we're we're self-medicating. Obviously, you know, we're seeing violence um, on such a extraordinary level with such young people um you know there was a time when like columbine was that was like we talked about that Mm. in the news for years and today it's like we become so desensitized we flip up the notification when we find out that there was a shooting it's so but that's getting stored in us you know it is (laughs) i just got an email from my daughter's school the other day about the drills that they're doing now and one is like what if it's full evacuation if it's this if it's that (sighs) and my oldest daughter scarlet letty we call her said, yeah, mama, it was really scary. We went into the room and they locked all the doors and we had to hide under the desks and hold books up over our faces and shut all the curtains. And that's the mode that you go into if the if the attack is internally in this. And I'm just like, holy, holy fuck. I just got goosebumps saying it. But like, whoa. And you know, you get these alerts on your phone. Like if there's this, this is what you'll get. This is the 911. And it's just like, oh my gosh. You know, it's like such a, and the bullying and the social media and, you know, all the things. It's just like, oh, my God. It's so much stimuli. Yeah. And we as humans are just not designed yeah. to be able to understand all of it. Yeah. Why should we? You know, we're very ancient right. creatures. Yeah, which is the, really the, a lot of what happened with the class. It's just a ritual and a ceremonial process of cleaning out your physical body so you can acknowledge that there's a soul in your body that chose this body and it took it out for a ride this lifetime. And if we can just observe thought and acknowledge soul and operate from that level and clean the stuff off that's sitting on top of it so you can get back to the essence of understanding, you know, that I say to my daughters all the time, we we think that we're doing something, you know, we're resentful, we're this, we're that, we're this, and we express to them how, but what you're really doing is you're teaching someone how to treat you with your behavior. Right. You know, so I say that to them, like, yeah, don't give her that book or don't like share your whatever, but just know you're teaching her how to treat you. So it becomes somewhat like self-serving, if you want to use that word, not really, but like you're, you're holding the space for everyone to understand the way to treat you so you can treat them and then it becomes collective and then it becomes beautiful. And then, you know, it's healthy love and it's healthy communication. So yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why the class is really where it is now, because people were seeking something that was much different than like, how do I get my ass in shape? <laughs> and like, that happens, but that's a byproduct, you know? Yes. It's like, that's the thing. Yeah, I I work with a lot of clients who, um, you know, everything is connected. And we will be talking about something that is totally tangential to the way that they feel about their physical body. Um but then through work, you know, through multiple sessions, it'll come up that they just hate their body, you know, and I relate, mm. uh, I, you know, I, I have had many, many years of on and off eating disorders. Mm. And 
I do not really have a normal I, I'm a Pisces moon. So like there's gonna be a part of me that just never fully connects because mm-hmm. I'm a very ethereal creature, but that's okay. I wanna find some middle ground to it. But when I'm working with these clients and I'm seeing that they are like, you know, they hate their body and then they also hate their job or they are in these horrible relationships and they're dieting and they're seeing progress and they're getting a little skinnier and these pants are fitting them. And I'm like, just stop, stop everything. Like your body is meant to serve you. Like stop being so mean to it. Just be gentle. And it's listening. Yeah. And you will find that not only do you feel better in it, but you are attracting people who yeah. truly see you and not see the perfect version of you that is truly not going to last anyway if you're just doing these like fad yo-yo diets. Yeah. Like that's not sustainable. So if somebody is likes you because you're a size zero, like that's not the right reason for yeah. them to like you, yeah. you know? It's a lot of really how I started moving in the class too because I've always struggled with a lot of the internal, external schisms that would go on and I'm like why do I hate myself so much and I finally even when I go into dysmorphic states now and like I think those things like you know about my physical body I'll be like T that's not what it is it's just pain Mm -hmm. and that's what I say like if you're like I feel fat today it's like no 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 you're just it's pain you know and start to talk to it there so it's not something is showing up like that's that's wanting to be looked at that's asking you to take a peek at it when all those conversations are happening and you know our internal world is our internal world which we create by making our external world through words so that's you know if you're not if you're just living in the cycle in your head that's the same thing and then you're expressing it then that's your world so if you'd like the relationship and the conversation to change change it yeah i had um a really interesting i i feel so grateful to be in my 30s now. <laughs> I feel so grateful not to be a kid anymore yeah. and to not be a young adult trying to p- pretend like I'm an adult. Like I, I'm I'm just, somebody asked me on Instagram the other day, like I, I think probably one of my younger followers, like, are you happy as an adult? And I was like, oh my God, I can't yeah. wait till you get here. It's yeah. so much fucking better. Yeah. But I had this experience where I was filming something. I was creating, you know, with another production team and there were a lot of things that were going wrong, like the hair was fucked up and the lighting was bad and the team wasn't prepared. And I it was, you know, just me talking to camera about astrology stuff. And I left that, you know, three hour filming session in such a a horrible state of mind. I was hysterical. I was like, this is going to be a failure because I'm so ugly, because I'm so unattractive, because I'm not good enough. And just Mm -hmm. like this inadequacy spiral. Mm -hmm. And I walked for like 50 blocks because we can do that in New York City. And I was just crying the whole way. I called my mom very medium helpful because, you know, (laughs) that's where a lot of it comes from, too. And it and then I was able to get myself to a state of mind where I realized like, wait, you weren't treated particularly well on this shoot. You know, like you, you your hair looked bad. The guy didn't care. The light, the production team didn't care. You were trying to hold together the whole thing. You didn't feel it, safe. Yeah. So to me, my comfort zone of feeling out of control is hating the way I look. Mm. Because for when we're young, like and we can't change our environments, that is the physical, that's really the only tool we have that we can see change happen in. We can change, we can starve ourselves, we can like dye our hair, we can put on a lot of makeup, we can try to change 
this physical being. So for me, when I felt just all of these other things that were fine to feel, but I uh, felt them as if I was 12 years old again. And I realized that I I didn't have to feel, I wasn't the problem, you know? (laughs) And there was nothing wrong with me. That's right. There were a lot of things that made it an uncomfortable and not great experience that I told my manager about it after, but like- It was activating things. Yes, but then when we think, like I feel so fucking grateful that I can have that time to sort of process and think and explore that, but uh, a lot of people don't have the tools to do that. And it's, they're gonna end up leaving a situation like that, which can happen, you know, if you enter in a bad work environment with a bad boss who makes you feel inadequate, you can always be in this inadequacy spiral, you know? So what tools, I'm kind of sort of now putting you on the spot with this random question, but what tools do you think could be helpful for people who maybe aren't based in New York and wouldn't be able to participate in your class or um, or people who are just getting started and feel a yeah. little intimidated? Well, it, as in coming to the class or life tools? I guess either, both. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing we do in the class. You know, when when you feel that feeling, when your heart is beating or you're, gut feels uncomfortable, right, which is truly your second brain, tune into it. Your body is telling you something is happening. And what I like to do is simply one hand on belly, one hand on heart, soften your chin to your chest and take a few moments just to breathe and then close your eyes and notice when else you have felt that way. And then go ahead and talk to yourself in that place. It's like that's a very basic, tangible, you can do it anytime, any day. And then another tool that I love to use is what, if you're in somebody's space and you can just feel their like unhealthy kind of toxic projection. Mama Kia used to say to me all the time, who's a woman that I met in Peru, who I created a part of the class for her children that she had left behind, or at least to send funds to them um, as a way to heal some grief that I was feeling. Really the first pass at a mother I'd ever had. This incredible woman. Um, she used to always say to me, if you're in somebody's field and they're like really toxic, just close your vagina. <laughs> and I told my kids that the other day, eight and 10, and they laughed hysterically. But I do it. You just kind of squeeze a little bit because it's a cue to you of like bad energy, bad space. And whether or not it works or not, who knows? It's the intention that you're like, oh, I fucking love that. Yeah. And so, that is amazing. <laughs> so vagina, I mean, we're, I'm a woman, so I use that. But the other thing is like, go flush it out. Go walk to the bathroom, shake your body, shake your hands, flutter your lips. <laughs> Move the energy out of your body immediately, especially if it's something that has to do with anything along along the lines of hate or anger that's being projected to you. Do not drink the poison. Just shake it out immediately so you don't spend too much time hanging around with it in your physical body. Yes, that is such amazing and very, very practical, usable advice. Um, (laughs) I it's I, I also I think that this might be, you know, on the one of the very few positive things that came from the political climate is I think that a lot of people are becoming more aware of how all of these things connect. But one of the one of the very many drawbacks to it is I think that people are listening less and less mm. um, because it's also survival. You know, you don't want it. You're tuning things out all the time. Um, something I appreciate about having this conversation with you is that you're so very present and I'm sure that even though our listeners are not seeing our conversation they can feel two people actually having a fucking conversation Mm -hmm. rather than one person just like you know sort of word vomiting on the other and 
that's the dynamic, you know, yeah. or two people just vomiting at each other and there's no actual um, connection, th- connection yeah. made. I'm with you. And, yeah. So and I, I do think that I, I don't know. I, I think that knowing how knowing that people can behave like that and knowing that if you're a sensitive person, you're going to be super duper affected by it and having really good tools of dealing with toxic people and not being afraid to call someone toxic and you don't have to say they're a bad person or like they're you know they're toxic to everyone but someone being toxic to you is enough you know that's fine that's sufficient yeah and the interesting thing about what you're saying about listening it's like that idea of listening uh, it's so different than thinking right and even the art of listening to someone when you're with them and you're not already thinking about what you're going to say to what they're going to say and you know, like your answer to the thing, you can feel it. And if somebody comes to you, what I do with people in my life, because I've been through a lot of transition over the last couple of years, is I'll when I know I'm really in something, I'll go to a friend and I'll be like, I really need you to listen right now. Can you? And they'll be like, absolutely. And then I just go, you know, it happened to me a couple of weeks ago. I was really in a state and I called one of my girlfriends. I'm like, I really need you to listen. She was like, great, go. So you can tell them and empower people. That's amazing. And then they, and then they come to you when they need it. Right. And I just did an Instagram post this morning about something that happened to me in class a couple of weeks ago, about two years ago. I was teaching and I was broken down. Like I was like, I don't know if I can keep moving forward with all the things that were like psychically and energetically I was processing and going through with Bobby and a mom and like all these changes. And I taught the end of the last, um, I taught two classes and I was doing the heart opening and I almost didn't make it through heart opening. I felt like I was going to start crying and I closed class and I just laid down right away and everybody left the room and I went into pigeon pose to put my head down and I just started crying and I was like, holy shit. Like, and I went to sit up to switch sides and these two women that I didn't know were sitting on my sides just in meditation and they didn't say a word and they were just holding it for me. Oh my God, that is so beautiful. And I moved oh, to the other side. Oh, I can't take that. <laughs> yeah. And I moved to the other side and I laid down and just holding them, feeling them holding it for me, not being like, are you okay? What's wrong? Talk about it. Just silent, holding the space. I moved to the other side and I hit such an old node of such old pain and I cried through that. And I finally passed it like maybe 10 minutes and then I sat up and they were still just sitting there in silence. And I closed my practice and I stood up and they stood up and we never said a word to each other and we walked out of the room. And like that idea of just being present there for somebody while they process, like, have you ever watched somebody heal? You know, I don't know if people know what that looks like. Mm -hmm. So holding space for people to just heal and not have to articulate why. Or I remember a couple of years ago, I said to a girl that was, um, I was friendly with, but I was like, she said, how are you feeling? Or how are you? And I said, I'm feeling really sad. And she goes, oh, don't be sad. <laughs> and I just, I, it just stuck out because I was like, wow, okay, well, thanks. I'm sad. <laughs> like, yeah. And I'm okay with that because it's going to shift. But, you know, so that thing of just listening to people. Yes. I, I also really appreciate um, the consent of I need to vent or can I, you know, ha- can I have your undivided attention right now? Can I work something through with you mm. rather than the, what's the word that I'm trying to say? Yeah, <laughs> complaining or just being a vamp, an energetic vampire, um, which is such a, a thing, you know, people, when we just, we pull from sensitive people as yes. much as we can yeah. because they're sensitive. Yes. So that we know that they're always going to be there for us. I actually, you know, speaking, there are no coincidences, Tank. I just last night um, was 
inspired to write this poem for my inner child, but also not for my inner child, for uh, a young girl who I w was talking to the other day who is uh, dating this guy who's 20 years older than her, and she's 20, and he met her when she was 13, and it's like, as an adult, you're just like, oh my God, girl, mm. like, I know why you're doing this, but yeah. like, just, I, and I, I see you and it's not, you're not the problem, but like, I don't know, I, I you have to move through this, I guess, yes. but it's just, I know that, you know, I know how that feels of like, you are so sensitive and you want to help someone and here comes someone who represents like your parent figure and you p healed your parents. So of course you're looking for someone who's 20 years older and like it all checks out. Yeah. Right. But I wrote this poem about, I don't, and the title of it is, I don't want you to be an empath. And we live in an, a world that, and I, I am so, you know, I appreciate the fact that empaths are being elevated, but I want to also really talk and explore like, Empathy is different than being an empath, you know? And choosing when you're going to be sensitive to somebody is has autonomy. Just being absorbent of everyone else's bullshit is not great. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and that is not a choice, you know? We wanna be, we wanna make the choice to be sensitive. We wanna make the choice to be empathetic. We don't wanna make the choice to be a pool and to be a sponge of everyone else's shit so that we lose our own feeling. And if we feel something, we feel shame or guilt or anger, like I shouldn't feel that because this other person feels that and I need to absorb and hold all of that. Yeah, there's a difference between empathy and compassion. Yes. You know, and that idea of like codependency, I've always been like that, like tell me how you feel and I will feel your feeling for you and that will just literally kill me. It so will. I've had to start holding boundaries around I have compassion for what you're feeling and I'll say I hear you as opposed to oh let me hold you and help you and like lay you down and put you on my bio mat and like rub your face yeah you know? and, and let like, me take your sickness yeah. and take it away from you yeah it's like I and I'll, I'll absorb it I'll be your sickness yeah. and that is not that's not sustainable yeah. and I think that there is this fascinating connection between empaths and narcissists oh, you know yes. And I think that what is little discussed is the fact that we could switch roles very easily because they come from a very similar place. You know, it's empaths attract narcissists, narcissists attract empaths, but when an empath is safe, they could become a narcissist, you know? It's, it's not as simple as just like, I'm a compassionate being. It's complicated. Oh. All of this shit is complicated. It resonates so much though, you know, that resonates so much and that's a lever that I've been trying to work in myself. When I see someone that is so out of touch with the fact that, you know, everything is about them, every word is help. I want you in my life because you make me feel good. Oh yeah. I'm like, great. So then it makes me feel good because I'm making them feel good. And right. then nothing happens that's cyclical. It doesn't come back. It's not, how are you today, T? Or what's yes. going on with you? And, you know, you have to really work that new unseen muscle of taking care of yourself. What I started with, being a warrior on behalf of your own soul and saying, I, I don't want this to fill my mental space. I don't want this, you know, bringing people into your life because you think it's fine, but then they're actually filling, they're occupying space in your mind and in your heart. And if you want that, take them in. And if that type of thing is not what you want, the ability to create a boundary and to 
pull that emergency brake quick so they're not yes. so embedded and it's easier to go through the like, kind of withdrawal of flushing that out. Yes, and we can only ever be responsible for ourselves. Yeah. And I do think, and I, that's why I really just deeply appreciate what you're doing so much is because it's a practice in self and it's a yeah. practice in becoming um, so, so uh, t- of honoring, but I feel like that's even too much of a yogic word, like of really just like owning your shit you know, and like feeling all the feelings that you feel unapologetically and being more than just comfortable, but like embracing the full, the full spirit of who you are. And when we do that, then we can, you know, be a great partner and be a great collaborator and be a great friend and a a mother or a, a child, you know, but we can't be there for others if we're not there for ourselves. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And that owning term is interesting because it's, it's, I love that you had like a little bit of a hiccup around honoring because I always say that too, like, is it an honor? Is it a privilege to do this work? Is it great? Like, I can never find the word. And yeah. My oldest daughter, we woke up yesterday morning and I was saying something to her, you know, we laugh a lot and I try to teach them a lot and like role play a little bit when they're getting bullied and stuff like that. And she looked at me yesterday morning and she was laughing. She goes, mama, you know what you are? And I was like, oh, geez, here we go. She's like, <laughs> you're fierce and you're kind. Stop. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, that, so that idea of owning is a little bit of that. Like, you can be fierce, but be kind. Yeah. You know, it's not with aggression. It's not with combative energy. But there's, like, a ferocity of, like, it's not going down like this. Totally. I'm not reconditioning this shit that happened to me. I'm breaking this lineage now. And, you know and be kind. I love the word fierce and I want I really think I'm going to meditate on this word because I I always am thinking about this essay I read in college in my women in art class that said why are there no great women artists because greatness is defined in masculine terms and that applies to everything. The concept of the angry woman, right? That is a male concept. Mm, yeah. That is women being plugged in to anger which is such a male patriarchy word so we have to also think about the language we're using because it's not just about being angry it's about having it's about being honest and fierce and i think that that might be one of the best words i've heard Mm. to describe it because it also has that sort of like lioness protector um you know like this like mega nurturer that's this this energy that is so deeply nurturing that it is like i will it's like fierce kill my i will kill anyone who tries to fuck with my children you know like fierce eagle shit (laughs) fierce loyalty yeah that kind of and it's interesting that you talk about sorry to interrupt you but like there's so much i want to say about anger you know we did this workshop with this woman vienna farron once who's a beautiful um human that brings a lot to the work and she talked about anger right and unexpressed like something always comes before anger, right? Either a boundary transgression or some sort of feeling of rejection. Something always comes before anger. And then unexpressed anger turns into um, aggression, either internal aggression, I hate myself, I'm fat, I suck, or external, you suck, you you know? So what we're doing in the class in, in a portion of it, and on day three of retreats, we always call it day three, and if you've been on a retreat, people are like, oh, you're in day three. It's all unexpressed rage. We bring up unexpressed rage and we work it for two hours. And we don't tell people that, but that's what goes on on day three. 
And at the end of that class, I leave people totally raw. I don't seal up the seams and they sit in it all day. And oftentimes people come up to me and be like, what are you doing? And I've, you know, we've done like 30 something retreats now. So I have a bird's eye point of view that when you let people actually sit in the level of unexpressed rage that they have felt and, and marinate in it and like it eventually turns into grief. It's all of the things that are under it. And then, you know, the next day we, we grieve well. And then we move mm. into compassion and then we move into celebration and joy. But in order to move, you know, you have to get loud to get quiet in ways and like get it out. You're a human being. And that's why you feel this way. And it's not bad that you feel anger. It's that something cute anger. And then we internalize it and then we hate ourselves and we feel crazy and we become yes. alcoholics and like all of the things, you know. So we work that lever a lot of like bring it up. And at first people are like, huh. Huh, you know, we're playing Rage Against yeah, the Machine. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Yeah. Oh, I, I saw a few of the songs that they uh, that that you put on your playlist, and I think we have the exact same music taste, I also want to add. So kudos to you Thank for you. having excellent taste yeah. in music. I'm, I'm actually a DJ. <laughs> oh, I'm amazing. Perfect. <laughs> I think that that probably really helps a lot, too. Yeah, big time. I, I'm just really obsessed with music. Me, too. Um, it's one of the only passions that I've ever had that I haven't, tried to monetize and I want to keep it that way because yeah. <laughs> everything else I'm like ooh, there's an opportunity here how beautiful yeah. <laughs> well you're working with the expression of another human being's soul right I mean that's their they're in their creative essence and then they're moving it through their body through words and music so it's it's such a beautiful way to honor their uh, another person and we talk about that in our training too is like if you wouldn't hang out with that person don't bring their music into the room and never so never real. speak over the musician when they are singing you're quiet and when there's a moment in time when they're just using instruments, then you can speak. But like honor that you're bringing them into your space and that you're using their art to help create an emotion and an energy in the room. Yes, that doesn't have, that is nonverbal. Right. Yeah. Even with lyrics, it's nonverbal. Yeah. This has been s truly, truly such a joy. Where can, I, I, I know where I'm going to be. I'm going to be heading straight to Tribeca. But where can we find you out there on the interwebs? Yeah. Um, we're, if you just go to theclass.com, um, we're in L.A., we're in Vancouver. We do oh, shit. Okay, amazing. Know. Cool. And we're in New York and downtown. So no excuse for anybody. And we Every have a new <laughs> digital platform that we just launched. And it took me a really, really long time to do digital because I was very concerned about bringing into people's homes. But it is working. It's a beautiful thing that I love. You connect to a loudspeaker. You gather your friends. So you do it collectively at home. And oh, so cool. We only live stream classes. So you're doing it with us at the exact same time. And people have given us a lot of pushback around that. Like we need on demand. It's like, no, it's actually we're working collectively and it's not living in the can. So somebody's having an experience and two years later they see themselves again. Yeah. Like, you cannot binge on healing. Yeah. You right. Not Amazon Prime. Exactly. Your pain. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, we're just the class dot com and uh, we'll see you all the time. Okay. Amazing. We'll see you there. Thank, Thank you so much. Thank you.